Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The Pats saved their season last night. It's been a while since we've been able to say that. In early November, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin were presented by Progressive Insurance. Fellas, I'm not sure what was more strange. The Jets having the halftime lead. The Jets having a 10-point <laughs> lead in the fourth quarter. Joe Flacco throwing three touchdown passes. Just the same old Jets. Or Nick Folk, the former Jet, doing his old team in with no time to go. Much like the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not one, not not worried at all. Just figured, oh, they'll get it turned around. They'll be fine. I've seen this movie a million times. But the In Jet fashion, Mm -hmm. the Jets jetted it away. But the ending may be a little bit different. You've seen this movie a thousand times before. Pat's rally to win. Buck the odds, whatever small amount of doubters there have been over the years, they get stymied. The group is much larger now. But do you fellas still think they're a playoff team despite this win that took all of the 60 minutes to get? I I do. I absolutely do. They're going to be on the back end of that, though, right? They're going to be that seventh, eighth, ninth, fighting to get to the seventh type situation. And in the end, they're still a playoff team to me. Here, look, go back a week ago. Cam Newton played fine, fumbles in the end. Instead of having the ball in his left arm, he's got it in his right. Uh, uh, instead of having it away from the traffic, he has it against the traffic. They punch it out. He fumbles. Played fine enough to win the football game. Had him in a position to win the game. You fast forward to last night. You look at it. You go, it's the Jets. How could that be? Ah, every now and then in 16 games is a long season. You're going to have a stinker two, three, maybe even four. Every single team in the National Football League, you can go around and look at close games and clunkers. I mentioned the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. Pittsburgh Steelers are undefeated. That almost got taken away from them against the Dallas Cowboys. But it didn't. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the Chicago Bears. Do you really honestly think that the Chicago Bears, Jay Will, are better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Not even close. So you're going to have those type of situations where they're going to be tough games. Now, They've dug themselves in a deep hole. They've got to continue to keep playing better to climb themselves out of it. I really disagree. I don't think the Patriots are going to make the Super Bowl. Uh, make excuse me, make the playoffs at all. Oh, you got them going to the Super Bowl. No, That's the conference. I, they're not going to make. They're not going to make the playoffs. And uh, look, I understand a win is a win, but how you win is important. Did anybody? Did, didn't we expect the Patriots to beat the Jets last night? The Jets are the worst team in football. Didn't we expect Cam Newton to come out and be somewhat? Decent to beat this Jets team. Now, if you want to talk about how they beat them, that's a different conversation than just the fact that they beat them. Look, they, they dominated time of possession last night. All right? Their, their defense, the Jets defense was on the field for pretty much all the second half. In the second half, how about this, Zubin? In the second half, offensively, the Jets only saw four plays. Offensively. Four plays in the second half. I mean, that, that's in the fourth, I think. Um, that's problematic. That's problematic. So you wear a defense down, and yes, you beat them by a field goal at the end, but how you beat a Jets team is pretty important, isn't I'm it, I'm encouraged watching – I almost said Tom Brady. I'm encouraged watching Cam Newton have a Brady-like performance, 27-35, 200 and some odd yards, finding a, finding a guy like Jacoby Myers, much like a Julian Edelman, a, a, someone to lean on that you have confidence in that you're going to throw the football to. He rushed for two touchdowns. He didn't get one in the air. That's okay. That's okay. Brady wouldn't have the rushing touchdown. Brady would have him in air. But that's fine. At some point throughout the game, I believe Cam Newton was 11-11 or 10-11. of 11. 
in, 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 you know, methodically doing, taking what they gave him, didn't force anything. I'm encouraged by that. Uh, since coming back from COVID, he seems like he's getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And I go back to the New England Patriot Buffalo Bill game yesterday or last week. It looked like Cam Newton had gotten better, even though they lost the football game. And then he picks up where he kind of left off from the Bills against the Jets last night. And again, I'll say it again. You're going to have some stinkers and some close games against teams that you may play down in their competition. It happens all the time in the National Football League. On the other side, the worst team in football is off to its worst start ever. That's saying something. That's quite a double whammy there. The Jets are 0-9 for the first time. They didn't play with Sam Darnold's shoulder injury, didn't have Quinnen Williams' hamstring injury. The one bright spot the entire season has been their mammoth tackle, Makai Becton, who's been playing great football, left the game last night with a chest injury. Adam Gase was a little bit more sullen. Normally, it comes out really ornery in these post-game press conferences. Well, the end is near. Can't say a whole lot. <laughs> Gotcha. He did say, we're doing everything we can. We're playing our ass off. It's just not enough. It was a little more positive, if there's anything positive to take from being 0-9. He usually comes in there at a house of fire, and it gets really confrontational with the media. I didn't see that much of it last night when I was watching, but where do the Jets stand now? They're at a point they have never been in the history of the franchise. I was on a 1-15 team. That coach got fired. Uh, that's all I can say. I was on a 1-15 team. The coach got fired. After two years. And so when you look at it, I would think that Joe Douglas and Mr. Johnson, Christopher Johnson, who took over for his brother Woody to run the organization, have some thinking to do. And it shouldn't be long. It shouldn't be long. I thought he was part of the solution, though, not the problem. When referring to Adam Gase. So this is like what I said about sometimes when – executives get up to a podium and they say certain things. Yeah, you, you take it for face value, but we all know what's coming with Adam Gase. We, we, everybody feels it every time we watch a game and you can't win these games, don't you, Key? Well, yeah. I, when you 0-16 or 1-15, man, that's hard to sell. It, okay, so if, if I go 1-15 and I'm in my first year as a first-time head coach and my team is decimated week in and week out and I'm losing players or – we're losing games by a field goal or we're losing games by a touchdown or whatever the case may be, and we're competitive, then I can carry that over because I can sell that to my fan base. But when I've already got a coach who's been fired from Miami, who's brought here, and my quarterback that we drafted the third pick at three years ago is regressing and not progressing, then I got to look at that and say to myself, I can't hold on to this. And that's okay. And that's okay for them to wait to the end of the year to make a decision on what they're going to do. That's fine. I don't, I mean, that's fine. I don't care if they fire him now or at the end of the season. Right. Or, I don't even want to call it fire. Parting, parting ways with their coach at the end of the year right now. It doesn't, the Jets aren't going anywhere, so it doesn't really matter. Well, that's why I go back to what we were talking about last week when Joe Douglas was talking about, hey, our quarterback, Sam Donald, he's our future. You know, as it relates to Adam Gase, hey, look, He's part of the solution, not part of the problem. I hear all your, I hear everything you're saying, Joe Douglas. I understand this is you and a Mr. Johnson issue that you're going to work on collaboratively. But in the day, you're sitting up here telling me something right now. This, uh, this, all this will change. It could change in time. And like, like I said before, Trevor Lawrence and company, if they find a way to win a national championship, and people are talking about him being a generational quarterback, and this team goes 0 and 16. We will be hearing different words from Joe Douglas's mouth in a couple of weeks. It's very interesting that you bring up Trevor Lawrence again 
because last night Mel Kuyper Jr. on NFL Money NFL Countdown said that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are locked neck and neck as far as 1A, 1B, however you want to look at it. And then you have the whole offseason to evaluate what that talent is in terms of the quarterback if the Jets decide or whoever decides to go in that direction at the quarterback spot. Sam Darnold certainly is making it hard to evaluate him if he's not going to get on the field. The shoulder injury, obviously, a couple weeks ago, coming back and then trying to play on it and then late uh, this past week making a decision to not go because of the shoulder injury is hard, I'm sure, on Joe Douglas and whoever is helping Joe Douglas evaluate Sam uh, to figure out whether he is the future or not. It can change. But based on what Joe said, I still got to believe that if they think that he may be the answer to them along with a bunch of help around him. They had all three receivers on the field for the first time last night. Mm-hmm. But guess where Sam was at? On he was bench. over here with us. So Joe Flacco looked like Joe Flacco from the Baltimore Ravens with Sam Toys. I don't know. Yeah, Perryman looked all right. Their connection is certainly there and good. Again, you mentioned Mel Kuyper Jr. He was on the show last week, reiterated to us. It was 1A, 1B with Lawrence and Fields. Said the same thing last night on ESPN. And, of course, Mel's counterpart, Todd McShay will join us this morning at 8.30, so we can kind of get Todd. Todd, 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 Frank Caliendo getting it warmed up for all of his impersonations. We'll see if Todd is in, and you love when I say this, Key. We'll see if Todd is in lockstep with Mel to see where he's got Lawrence versus Fields. We're asking you this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. I don't think the answer is going to be the Pats or the Jets, but you never know. Who's the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC? Simply put, who's the biggest threat to Mahomes and company? We want to hear from you. Be a part of the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to a nice cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today, 888-SAY-ESPN or KJNZ. Simple, one word, one team, the biggest threat to the Chiefs. Still to come, the SEC drawing a line in the sand with LSU. And wait till you see the line on their game this weekend. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. 
put your seatbelt on because what we thought would be a great week of college football may be in some jeopardy. Ross Dellinger reporting right now. Mississippi State and Auburn has now been canceled. Meanwhile, A&M, they have paused practice activities for the day. The biggest game of the weekend, Bama in LSU, and we don't know whether that game will go on. Maybe it's, we should have seen it coming. Good morning. That's the voice of Paul Feinbaum. He's going to join us this morning at 9:10 Eastern. He had an opportunity to talk with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who has a lot on his plate and a lot to figure out here. We'll hear from Sankey in just one moment. But just to recap what Paul said and then add a little more because there was a big outbreak, literally and figuratively, in the SEC yesterday with regard to COVID news. Alabama, LSU, Baton Rouge this weekend in jeopardy. LSU may not have enough scholarship players. They've had an outbreak. Coach O's talking about moving Mm -hmm. players around the roster to make sure the quarterback position has depth if this game goes off. Good luck having that old high school quarterback run back out there with Alabama's defense rushing at him in an emergency situation. Texas A&M, along with Alabama, is also in the top five. A&M's only lost two Alabama. They have paused activities. They're scheduled to play Tennessee, but they have one player and one student staffer that tested positive. You heard Paul say Auburn and Mississippi State. That's been moved to December 12th. That's the one week the SEC has allotted that's baked in for makeup games. And Arkansas's Sam Pittman, who's 58 years old, first year head coach, done a great job in Fayetteville. Yes, he has. He had a test come back positive. Defensive coordinator Barry Odom will take over on an interim basis. You might remember Odom was Missouri's head coach, so he has some experience Mm -hmm. in the SEC. So that's all yesterday. That is all happening yesterday. The commissioner yesterday went on Paul's show. Again, Paul will join us at 9, 10 a.m. Eastern and said, listen, the fact that we thought we were going to sail through this, that's ridiculous. We wanted to play the season as scheduled, but the reality is the circumstances around the virus always presented a challenge and the potential for disruption. We just have to manage through that, and we'll work with our our universities, our athletics programs to do so. We don't have an infinite amount of time, and that's where the pressure over these last four or five weeks starts to mount. So the adjustments may be a little bit different than we contemplated six weeks ago, but still our focus is on trying to play as much of the football uh, schedule as possible. And then we're going to deal with this disruption as it occurs and make adjustments and maintain the spirit of cooperation, collaboration, and flexibility we've had today. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. There was a lot of corporate mumbo-jumbo there. You totally get it. Collaboration. Let's get together. Let's do what we can. I get all that. Let's jump into the meat of what he told Feinbaum. Here's the bottom line. December 19th is the SEC championship game. The week before that I mentioned, that's the one week where the league has essentially said any makeup games that need to happen, like LSU and Florida, Missouri and Vanderbilt, all those games will be played that particular week. But key, Commissioner Sankey also said we could play games on December 19th that involve teams that aren't involved in the SEC title game. So sure, that's our marquee showcase, SEC title game, December 19th, whoever is playing And if anybody needs to make up a game on the 19th, it's available. It may not affect who plays in the SEC championship game or who goes to the playoff. But if you need to get that game in there and you can't do it on the 12th, you could play it on the 19th. The reason I bring that up, a team like LSU, Mm -hmm. they are scheduled to play Florida on December 12th. They could play Alabama on December 19th, but it doesn't make any sense. That would be the SEC championship game. That's a divisional game that's scheduled to be played. It might not be important for LSU because they're pretty much out of it. But that game could be important for Alabama. 
Problem is, they're running out of places to play it. Well, why would it be important for Alabama? Well, because Alabama could get to the SEC championship game and not play a full schedule, right? Yeah, so? So? (laughs) We know Alabama's one of the top teams in the the college football playoffs. I mean, the college football in the SEC, right? If you're Texas A&M and you play one less game than Alabama and your loss has been to Alabama and Alabama advances to the championship game by playing one less game, a game they potentially could have lost, totally understand. They would still have the five-point favorite. But not only that, they were never – LSU could roll out every single guy from last year and the year before and the year – they're not beating this Alabama team. I understand the spread is over 20 points. Yeah, they're not beating them. They're going to blow the doors off them. I'm just saying that if you are in a neck-and-neck chase with Alabama like Texas A&M is. But Alabama already beat them head-to-head, right? Zoom? Correct. They have yeah. the head-to-head. Mm-hmm. But if they were to play a full SEC schedule Understood. and Alabama were to not play a full SEC Understood. schedule and they would get the nod over Texas but, but A&M. I beat you, but I beat you head-to-head. It, it, Alabama was never losing to LSU. I understand A&M fan base and how A&M people may feel, but you already lost to Alabama, and Alabama was not going to lose to LSU. So stop even but thinking key, that way. Even, even rationalize that, Key, and I'm with you on that. This is what we expected going into a 2020 year full of COVID and not sure if teams will be able to play or not, right? We expected there not to be this, um, hey, everything has to be fair. Like, di- didn't we expect this? Like, didn't we? Absolutely. So that's where I'm a little bit lost. Like, now we want it to be fair, even though it may not have a chance to but, work out but that it way. Is, it's, but it is fair. You know why I agree it's fair? You. you know why it's fair? Because it's Alabama. That's why it's fair. It's, it's not, Alabama. It's not fair because if A&M has even a 1% chance to win the SEC West, everybody else in that division should be stacked up against them. If you're LSU and you're out of the race, yes. that's fine. But if you're A&M and you have, yes, you're right, Alabama has the head-to-head. But anything could happen. Mac Jones gets injured, and suddenly they got Alabama, another dude right behind him. That's fine. They do have a true freshman from California. Yeah, your guy, absolutely, ready to go. Yes. I'm just saying that if you're in the hunt and you're in the top five, Bryce Young is right there waiting in the wings. Well, and if you're Alabama, you play LSU, and somebody from LSU has COVID, and you don't know, and then one of your star players from from Alabama catches COVID, then you're going to be screwed out of playing the national championship game. I'm saying there's a lot of scenarios where I hear what scenario that you're justifying in your mind. I could pose other scenarios because of that game that you might have to play at the last second that can then all of a sudden put Alabama in a position where they may not be able to win a national championship. So that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's, there's nothing fair about this year. It's all uneven, but we kind of expected this going into this year. If you're planning on playing in a COVID year, correct? I think, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's, let's, let's hypothetically go to Texas A&M for a second. Okay. Let's Let's say Texas A&M rises to number two in the polls. Got it. Ohio state loses. Notre Dame loses. They rise to number two in the polls and they can't play in the SEC championship game because Alabama has won the West. But they still feel like, wait a minute, not only did we not get a chance to play in the SEC championship game, the team that does have the head-to-head with us played one less game, and you're number two in the country, and you're not playing on championship weekend. But who? But I don't understand why would you think that I would put them ahead of Alabama. I'm just saying everybody's got to play their games because you never know, to Jay's point, what the outcome could be depending on who's on the field. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think A and M could beat Alabama, and I certainly don't believe LSU has a chance to beat Alabama. Oh, fair enough. I'm just saying the rest yeah. of the schedule. Just the rest of the schedule has to be played out. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. We're asking you this morning: the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC is Alabama. Let us know eight 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 say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven six or Key J N Z on Twitter. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. What a couple weeks it's been for the Buffalo Bills. You get that win over New England. Granted, not vintage New England, but considering they've won the division 11 straight years, the division now for the moment (coughs) runs through Orchard Park. And in Orchard Park on Sunday, they take out the Seattle Seahawks. Quite a span. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Buster only will join us in less than 10 minutes on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. There's a lot of interesting things percolating in Major League Baseball, even though the season has come to an end with Keys Dodgers winning it all. But we'll talk to Buster here in about six minutes. We're asking you this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, who's the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC? Hit us up, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Or if it's easier, KeyJNZ on Twitter. Want to get your thoughts, going to get Jay's thoughts and Key's thoughts to that question in just a moment. But first, Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst, weighing in on our question, the biggest threat Uh to KC in the AFC. To beat the Chiefs, you have to be explosive on offense. You just have to create big explosive plays. You know who's number one in the NFL in explosive plays on offense? The Kansas City Chiefs. You know who's number two? Buffalo Bills. Mm -hmm. You have to have a quarterback that can go above X's and O's. You know, like, you're going to get good play calls from a lot of different teams. You better go above X's and O's because sometimes the defense is going to make a good play, a big play. Can you kind of create on your own? And then the third thing that would be this. they got a really good coaching staff. Brian Dable looked at that game and said, you know what, Seattle's pass defense, not very good. We're going to throw the ball a bunch. They threw the ball – I think every Not first down, good. every first down yesterday felt like they were throwing the ball. Stephon Diggs is great. Leslie Frazier was outstanding with his defensive plan. I think the Bills are the best and most equipped team to beat the Chiefs. Quite the argument. Explosive plays. It's an offensive league. They are 1-2, as Dan said. Key, do you agree? The biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Dan is going Buffalo. No. No, I don't agree. I don't, I, I'm not a prisoner of the moment. No, not at all. I understand that – Josh Allen had a terrific game against a sorry-ass Seattle defense. I understand he is now back in some people's conversation for the sake of hype about an MVP. Uh, Josh Allen certainly played terrific against Seattle. There's no question about it. They do score in bunches. They have a lot of explosive plays. But that, that that's not the only way you win football games. I think when you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's a team. And then the team that beat Kansas City. The Oakland Raiders, John Gruden, for all the, the, you know, John Gruden, Keyshawn Johnson relationship, mm-hmm. sour, they don't like each other, this, that, and the other, whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, that dude can coach, though, man. He really is a good football coach. May not be a great quarterback coach and all that. May not have certain eye for talent. But when it comes to X's and O's and coaching and game planning and situations, beyond, he's really good at doing that. He's really good. And he beat Kansas City already this year, 
in KC, minimum fans, of course. They get them in Las Vegas with no fans, but you still get an opportunity to understand who Andy Reid is, someone that he knows. He knows Andy Reid's offense. He knows Spagnola's defense. He understands because of the division. And they have some really good talent on that side of the ball. Nelson Aguilar is coming alone. Obviously, we know Waller to tie it in. We know Josh Jacobs on the offensive side and Cars playing terrific at the quarterback spot. They just got to continue to shore up that defense and make sure that back end of the defense is playing solid and sound. But I think those two teams, Pittsburgh and Oakland, Las Vegas, are the ones to challenge Kansas City for the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. What about you? I think the Raiders can do it, but I, I have Pittsburgh, and I agree with Dan Orlovsky with the Bills. And I, I would say this about the Seattle game, because I know Key referred to them as a, their sorry-ass defense. They did get Carlos Dunlap. They did have Jamal Adams back in that game. Granted, their defense still has a lot of work to do, but I, I think that's a pretty good improvement. I, I think that what Dan's point was about the explosiveness of Josh Allen, having somebody to combat the plays that Patrick Mahomes can make, makes a lot of sense. And I do agree with him on the coaching staff aspect of it as well. Just Josh Allen first down, they were taking advantage of the secondary each and every time. Stephon Diggs makes a huge adjustment uh, in this ball game. They play out of their mind. Granted, I think they had a couple games where they were struggling. But, I, I mean, I, that's a matchup I would like to see at the end of the day just due to their ability of scoring. And, look, their defense put so much pressure on on Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson kind of moves a little bit like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he might be more fluid, but I don't think I don't think Russell Wilson got hit as much as he did on that Sunday as he did his entire career. I mean, he was getting knocked off left and right. Well, you know, for me, I look at it and I look at the way Buffalo has played this year. They're a very good football team, there's no question. They lost to Tennessee, obviously, Kansas City. They squeaked out a W against Miami, squeaked it out. And, and Miami's a good football team, turning into a very good football team. The, they're not running away with the division. New England, for all it's worth, they just tighten a grip on Buffalo in terms of Buffalo looking over their shoulders. Miami and Tua going out to Arizona just tightened the grip of Buffalo looking over their shoulders. So Buffalo has more to worry about than looking at it and saying, uh-oh, uh, we can play Kansas City. Well, they got to get through the AFC East. Miami's not going away. Miami's not going anywhere. They're not going away at all. We want to hear from you. So the fellows have weighed in. Dan Orlovsky has weighed in with Buffalo. We want to hear from you. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 on Twitter, simply put one word, the team that poses the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Just for a point of comparison, Key, this will be a big spot. One thing that you kind of glossed over but I think is worth mentioning is that Kansas City's already beaten Buffalo. So Orlovsky's going to have to go back and look at that tape here, Key, to see if Buffalo is the biggest threat to Kansas City, the fact that they're already 0-1. I didn't really gloss over that. I just didn't want to keep hammering the obvious. <laughs> That's all. Well, we both said Steelers, and then we named another team that could potentially be a threat, though, correct? So just to make sure. Yeah, keep in mind, Week 11, Kansas City will take on Las Vegas. So, Key, if they want to really step ankle. up. Really step ankle. up. Can you tell everybody what's going on with Go your ahead, ankle? Real quick. No, because my ankle hurts, you, man. You know that's not elevating it, right? You know it's still below your it heart. It hurts, man. That's all you I You should know. elevate it. Keep it above I'm, your heart. I'm fine just doing like this, man. <laughs> it just hurts. It's getting that's a all. sympathy vote right now. It hurts. <laughs> all right. <Quickly>. Non-athlete. <laughs> it was a non-athletic injury? Yeah. <laughs> but what was so cool is I didn't fall. Oh. I'll, I was able right. to hold my balance. Were you by yourself or were you in public? No, I was at home. Oh, okay. So you're by yourself early in the morning. Yeah. 
Last couple of things. Kansas City, Las Vegas. We'll see just how good the Raiders are. If they can pull off a season sweep of the Chiefs, that'll be in week 11. and week 14, Jay, I wanted to mention your two contenders are actually going to meet. Buffalo will take on mm. Pittsburgh in week 14. That could be sort of a good eliminator game as well. It's a, it's a lot of season left. And, and I, like I said, man, it's, it's, it sounds good. The hype machine is rolling. All, they got games to play. I've seen this movie before. Oh, these guys are this and that. It's like, man, just... Slow down a little bit. Slow down. Because for whatever it's worth, and I understand New England has put themselves in a hole, but they're not going away. They, they're not going away. They're not going away. You think last night Bill Belichick didn't fly back to New, uh, Boston thinking, hmm, well, if next- we could just do this next week against Baltimore, maybe if we can somehow put a plan together to beat them, then we can do I mean, that's what the NFL is all about. And week 10 of the NFL will be here before you know it. Indian Tennessee begins week 10 on Thursday. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Let's talk a little baseball. The club is going to have young, going to have prime, it's going to have older guys. Every year, you start with the respect, trust at zero. You have to work every day to earn it. It's a risky move. There's no way around that. He is going to be 50 to 55 years older than some of his players. What other of the 29 teams, if they had a managerial opening, would say, you know what? I'm going to go get me Tony LaRusso. The answer is zero. That last voice you just heard was Jeff Passan, ESPN Major League Baseball insider, saying the answer would be zero, but this morning the White Sox have one big problem. It was a fun story on the surface. A 76-year-old manager hired by an 84-year-old owner three decades plus after the owner fired that manager. Since then, that manager has won the World Series, has gone to the Hall of Fame, and what's old is new again. Tony La Russa to the Chicago White Sox. But we've got a problem. He was charged with a DUI after a February arrest. The case wasn't filed until the 28th of October, one day before the pale hose officially hired him. This is a mess. Let's bring in Buster Olney, ESPN Baseball Insider, joining us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. This is his second scrape with the DUI. This happens at the age of 76. How likely is it? that this impacts his job status before he even manages one game in his second stint on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, Zubin, I don't think it's going to affect it at all. Uh, just in talking with officials with other teams last night, the, the least surprising thing uh, was that the White Sox immediately put out word that this will not change Tony LaRusse's status. And look, Jay, I don't know what your experience was with the Bulls. You know, we're also owned by Jerry Reinsdorf, but... Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is, without a doubt in my experience, at least when it comes to front office people, the most loyal owner in professional sports. It doesn't mean he's the most effective. It doesn't mean he's the best owner, but he is the most loyal, which is why he decided he was going to give Tony La Russa this unusual opportunity nine years after Tony last managed, uh, you know, at a time when Tony's 76 years old. And so it was not a shock to anybody around baseball last night Though the White Sox were immediately tamping down the idea that this DUI was going to affect Tony's status. And, you know, they also were putting out word that they knew of this at the time the hire was made. Well, sir, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that, knowing Jerry Reinsdorf since I've been 21 years old. That's who he is. What has been word around the, the league 
about Larusa being hired in that position? Total shock. Absolute shock. I mean, you think where, uh, you know, Major League Baseball has been going in recent years with its hires. They, you know, have gone away from the old field general. Um, I mean, quite frankly, the way Tony used to be known is a guy who was tough and disciplinarian, um, could relate to players to some degree, but mostly was dictating to them. In recent years, it's more about collaboration. It's more about having managers who are younger, closer in age to the players, relating to the players. You have guys like Craig Council, the Milwaukee Brewers, Aaron Boone, uh, Alex Cora, uh, you know, players who are, or excuse me, managers who are more, more uh, like peers than they are necessarily being the guy who's going to, you know, dictate things. And, and on top of that, in the last decade, since Tony last managed, the sport has changed dramatically through the use of analytics. And not all that is good change, but the fact is is that the, the feeling around the sport is you need to be fluent in that stuff. You need to be able to relate it to players and convey that information to players, and that's going to be a big question going into spring training. Can Tony LaRusso relate to players who are – uh, 50 years younger than he is, and can he uh, be someone who can relate some of the analytics that the sport's driven with? Buster, let's stick with uh, skippers being hired. What has been the reaction to the Red Sox, obviously, hiring uh, Alex Cora again after the cheating scandal and the ti- Tigers hiring another cheater in A.J. Hinch? Yeah, Keith, I, I got to tell you, it's interesting that the I've never seen anger over an incident hold the way that this one has. In other words, people with other teams are still furious about the Astros, and they, I think they always will be. And there is a feeling that the Astros players in particular have not really owned up and, and understood why it is that people with other teams are upset. But there was an assumption all along that A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora were going to be back quickly in jobs because they're two of the best managers in baseball. Um, you know, Alex, I, I thought uh, at the outset of this, after the Red Sox let Ron Renneke go, I thought they would be crazy if they didn't rehire Alex, especially for a big market team in Boston, uh, you know, a high-scrutiny market. I mean, you have an opportunity to hire a manager who's had success, who's one of the best managers in baseball, who, who connects with players so incredibly well, and the cherry on top is that he's been in that market. <laughs> like, he understands the media. He knows the media members from the time as a player, from his time as a manager. And think about how Bloom, the head of baseball operations, would have been set up for an absolute disaster next year if he had hired a first-time manager in Boston and the Red Sox struggle. And that is the expectation that they probably will in 2021. He would have gotten destroyed. The new manager would have gotten destroyed Bringing Alex back buys Heim two years uh, as he uh, you know, sets in his own program. And then you double down with the fact that it wasn't a guarantee, but if Heim Bloom hires somebody else and Alex Cora is hired by another organization and Cora yep. goes on to have success, that would be a devastating blow. Buster only is joining us this morning, the baseball insider on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. And oh, by the way, going back to La Russa, Dave Roberts, Kevin Cash, your World Series managers, Alex Cora, A.J. Hinch, what do they all have in common they are of the younger breed. I want to ask you about Jeff Luno, the old manager, uh, general manager of the Houston Astros, who Rob Manfred, he came on our program, Buster, the day the World Series began. We asked about Luno, his possibilities of getting back in Major League Baseball, and Manfred was as harsh as any guest has been on any individual 
in the three months we have done this, essentially saying we have so much evidence on this guy, it would be foolish for any team to hire him, yet he's suing the Astros for more than $22 million because of the way that his termination was brought about. What are the chances that this guy with this baggage will ever work in Major League Baseball again? Boy, um, well, first off, we know this, is that when Alex Rodriguez was going through his process of trying to buy the Mets, uh, he actually was going to, he was working with Jeff as a consultant. And that gives you some indication. Jeff, there's no question in his time in terms of wins and losses, in his time with the Astros, he was incredibly successful. Now, my own opinion is I don't like the fact that he went so far in the tanking that he did um, you know, other things like uh, making the deal for Roberta Asuna after he had, that pitcher had been suspended under baseball's domestic violence policy. Uh, I, it's not something other general managers would have done, but the Astros won under Jeff. And I think as with A.J., as with Alex, the bottom line is all you need is convince one owner, one front office, that you can be a help. And I do think at some point he'll, he will uh, be back in baseball in some form or fashion. And his case reminds me so much of uh, what we see, we've seen in college sports through the years where the head coach sort of covers his eyes and doesn't want to hear about money going under the table to players. The question now is, can they absolutely prove beyond a doubt that Jeff knew what was going on? He certainly should have known, no doubt about that. I'm not buying the story. But to prove it in front of, jur- of a jury will be very interesting. Buster Only, ESPN Baseball Insider, host of Baseball Tonight's podcast, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Buster, let me ask you this before we let you get out of here. Major League Baseball free agency is underway. Who are the names and teams to watch this offseason? Hopefully we keep Justin Turner out west. Hmm. I think they will. I mean, Justin has a great relationship with the Dodgers, and he's valued, and he's reached that stage in his career where he'll probably be signing a series of one-year deals uh, through the end of his career. The Mets, the Mets, the Mets. <laughs> the Mets are going to be the dominant story of this uh, offseason. You know, Steve Cohen, their new owner, is going to be holding a press conference later today. And in a winter in which, because of the changing financial landscape, a lot of teams won't be spending the Mets will be spending. And if you told me that on opening night, George Springer would be the leadoff hitter for the Mets, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, if you told me that Francisco Lindor would be their shortstop, uh, the Indians are expected to trade Lindor sometime uh, during the course of this wintertime, that wouldn't shock me. The Mets are going to be hyper-aggressive. Best pitcher available, Trevor Bauer. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets got involved with him, maybe the Toronto Blue Jays. He's going to get the biggest deal among pitchers. Mm. How about that with the Mets, especially at the top of the order? Steve Cohen, the new owner, grew up as a Mets fan, and now his latest toy is the franchise itself and those long-suffering Metropolitan fans. Maybe, just maybe, if even half of what Buster said comes true, or can't wait for spring training next February. Buster, thank you so much. See you guys. All right, Buster. That's Buster only on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Let's go from A to Z. Not to be confused with Buster Rhymes. Buster Bus. From A to Z brought to you by Redbox. Redbox's new movies at the box streaming on demand from the producers of Get Out and Us. Don't miss Antebellum starring Janelle Monet. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. For anybody that still thinks Mike McCarthy is going to be one and done in Dallas, Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones is essentially saying. Fellas, come up with the new topic on first take, will you? Steven, you feel pretty strongly that Mike is the guy going into 2021, regardless of how the rest of this season plays out? Absolutely. Unequivocal. You're changing the culture. You're 
you know, you, you change when you change the leadership. And uh, certainly uh, we like stability. Uh, that's why we uh, stayed with Jason for 10 years. And uh, certainly we know, you know, these things don't happen overnight in terms of, uh, uh, you know, when you turn things around. It's not as fun when Stephen A. and Max talk about a coach staying, but apparently that's going to be the case. Look, here's what I would say. They got a plan. Jerry and Steven, Jerry Jr. and Will Clay, they got a plan in Dallas, and they like the plan. So can't argue with their plan. I told you guys Mike McCarthy wasn't getting fired this year. I told you with the amount of head coaches this franchise has had in the history of the franchise that there's no way after one year and them losing Dak Prescott that they will let him go. Doesn't make it right, but they got a plan. No question about it. So, again, the Cowboys, who have started four quarterbacks, started four quarterbacks in a five-game span from Dak to Dalton to Danucci to Gilbert, are going to stick with Mike McCarthy the rest of the way. Again, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, and we're asking you this morning, our Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, hit us up. Biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC is who? Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Key has even floated the Raiders out there as a possibility. They beat them. They beat him. We'll see what happens. Still to come, the Meadowlands was once known for a Monday night miracle. And we nearly had another one last night. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.